One. Check, check. All right. We're there. All right. Again, I hope you've been kind of eyeballing this mess of stuff up here because hopefully by the time we are completely finished, this will all have a context for you. 1 Corinthians 14:12. I want to pull this out for you and frame it if you'll let me in various versions of the scripture. 1 Corinthians 14:12 in the NIV. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit. How many of you are eager for gifts of the Spirit? I'm so eager for that. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. New Living Translation. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. The Berean Study Bible. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, strive to excel in gifts that build up the church. The Berean literal Bible. I don't know, you guys. I don't understand why why it is there is a Berean study and there is a Berean literal. But we'll just look at this literal Since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, search for the edification of the church that you might cause it to grow and abound. And then the good old King James, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Second Corinthians eight twelve. For if there first be a willing mind, if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to what a woman has, we'll say in our case, it's accepted according to what a woman has and not according to what she has not. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly or moderately will reap moderately. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. She who sows moderately will reap moderately. She who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That word bountifully has less to do. I'm not talking to you this morning, believe it or not, about your uh, monetary tithes and offerings. As important as those are. It has much less to do with percentages and checkbooks. But that word bountifully has everything to do With you bringing your gifts, remember, if there's first a willing mind, the Lord measures, for lack of a better term, it's accepted according to what a woman has and not what she does not have. 
So this word bountifully has more to do with an inner thought or disposition, a, a, a posture of your heart that considers bringing your gift to the house to be an exercise in creativity and a privilege, a privilege. Every person, according as they purpose in their heart, so let them give, so let them bring their gifts, not grudgingly or out of necessity, because God loved a cheerful giver. And many of you who've been in the church a lot of years, you know the, that, that word cheerful in the Greek actually literally means hilarious. God loves a hilarious, merry, and I'm going to throw this word out at you, playful. God loves those kind of givers, happy givers. What if you and I, bringing our gift to the house as women of the house, what if that could be light? What if that could be easy? And here's a really crazy, I'm going to get crazy with you here. What if it could be fun? (laughs) What if? Just go with me, okay? Just imagine. I think that right there, that right there, this cheerful, hilarious, willing heart is the master key to everything new covenant, women of the house, the giving that, that God wants to see unleashed in the house, I think that's the master key to all of it. And I want to submit to you that this idea of hilariously willing hearts could be the master key to everything, everything that we have been crying out to God to see results-wise. In all of our many years of serving the house. Again, it has less to do with percentages and tithing and writing checks. I want to talk to you this afternoon and tell you that this thing is about having the privilege as women of partnering with God in what he is up to right now. It's about availing ourselves of what I'm going to call, if you're taking notes, a timely anointing of willingness. A timely anointing of willingness. There's living seed and there's dead seed. And that's important for us to understand. Living seed and there's dead seed and there's seed that ain't the seed we hoped it would be. <laughs> I remember one time I bought seeds at the Dollar General stores. Big mistake. <laughs> and what on the packet said perennial daisies, what I thought was perennial daisies, turned out to look very suspiciously like weeds. And I mean, I, <laughs> I sowed them over a huge patch of ground and I was so excited Looked very much like weeds. Never became daisies. 
Y'all, I cut corners on my seed sowing, and I got results that sucked. (laughs) That were bad. Sorry, Grandma. (laughs) Any seed sown in... (laughs) Any seed sown in moderation. And remember, we're talking about a posture of our heart. Reaps only moderation. That is anything sown without joy. When we bring our gifts, what we have to offer, without joy. It's anything sown... Without that willingness. Unhappy seed or even ambivalent seed, you know, neither here nor there, is either going to be dead seed or it's only going to be very mildly potent seed. But anything sown, anything sown with that creative initiative, with that sense of privilege, That sense of willingness, that sense of play even, hear me, is living. That seed is alive. It doesn't matter what it is, whether what you're sowing is into the lives of children, whether you're sowing into the lives of women who are struggling with depression, whatever your area of burden, whatever your area of gifting, if you sow that seed with that creative initiative, with that willing heart, with that joyful spirit, that seed is alive. That is the seed that's going to multiply some 30, some 60, some 100 Fold. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, Janet, can I have your Bible? <laughs> I, I did it again, sis. I, my Bible is in the back seat of the car that my husband is in. And thank you. Appreciate it. That's embarrassing. That's a little awkward. It's real. It's real. <laughs> yeah. If you'll go with me to Exodus 35, I want to torment us with Exodus 35. Are you up to being tormented in a good way? Provoked in a good way? Exodus 35. I'm going to start with verse 21. Then everyone came. Whose heart was stirred. (laughs) Everyone came whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Are you seeing this? For the house. For all of its service. And for the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart and brought earrings. How random is this? And brought nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. Every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord and every man with whom was found purple 
And blue, I didn't have purple or blue, but I had gray yarn here. Purple and blue, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins of rams, badger skins. I did not have a badger skin. If I had one, I would have brought it with me. Everybody who had a red skin of a ram brought it. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or brass brought the Lord's offering. Everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun. Blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Spices and oil. For the anointing oil and for sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were, we say that word with me again, willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. And now I want to skip ahead. To chapter 36, very next chapter, verse 7. For the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. And indeed, it was too much. It was too much. And then all the gifted artisans among them who worked on all these things, bringing everything that was their offering to the Lord. You have to hear this because this is just the most amazing thing. Look at verse 5. Back up just a couple of verses. They spoke to Moses. The leaders came together and came to Moses and they said, The people bring way more than enough for the service of the work of the house that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses, Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the service of the Lord. That torments the living daylights out of me. What? (laughs) That word we kept reading, willing, in the Hebrew, it completely denotes spontaneity. And synonyms, if you look it up in your thesaurus, synonyms for spontaneity are ease and lightheartedness. It's a posture that if it isn't Playful creativity. Well, first of all, I'll eat my shoes. But if it isn't playful creativity, 
it is so close to being, that willingness is so close to being a playful creativity as to be virtually indistinguishable. That's the posture, that's the attitude that these men and women brought their gifts to the Lord. So you take what is your gift for which these things are metaphors. And if I would have read on in Scripture, you would have seen that they brought the, the red skins of rams and the badger skins and, and they brought earrings. And it also said, and, and this is a play on words, that they brought tablets. <laughs> I love my tablet. I think if Jesus asked me to give it for the work of the service of the house, I would. But I would be really sad. But I would give it. Uh, (laughs) Spices, oils. You take what is your gift, no matter what it is, and you take some creative initiative and you direct All that initiative into the community with which you gather. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. It was on the heart of God to give His people this gift called a tabernacle, which is a foreshadowing of the house. Amen. It was on his heart to give his people a gift called the tabernacle. But I want to ask you a really important question. What happens when God gives? After the cross, after John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave the ultimate gift. That right there. So now that Christ has been died, buried, risen, and ascended, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, I want to ask you, what happens when God gives today? We happen when God gives. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. As pleased as the Father is to have all the fullness of His glory dwell in Christ, He's equally pleased to have Christ dwell in you. Equally pleased. Your gifts... No matter how random that they are, are nothing less than your portion of Christ in this earth. Your gifts are your portion of Christ, your expression of Christ. They are the thing that you get to pour out of your earthen vessel, the treasure. You get to pour out of the treasure that has been placed on the inside of you. And I think to give in this way, but to do it hilariously, 
with this playful, generous creativity, with our hodgepodge of gifts that somehow come together and out pops this place for his glory to dwell. I think that's what it is to be fully alive. It's the thing that my heart, more than anything else in this world, longs to see again. I think that's a move of God. I think, don't you think what we read in Exodus, that's a mighty, mighty move of God. So we can kind of reverse engineer this mighty move of God. If you'll go there with me, I want to reverse engineer it a little bit. We can go backwards kind of three, two, one. Okay, since since we desire the things the spirit gives, we have to seek to build up his church. Okay, we're going to begin to work backwards and, and kind of see how we can reverse engineer this this Exodus 35 move of God that our hearts are longing to see. Number three, we know that we want that supernatural outpouring, that thing that results in out comes the tabernacle, out comes the place for his glory to dwell That's the thing that we want. And then so we can go back from there. Number two, we know we need to bring our gifts, whatever those are, candlesticks, spices, oils, tithes, offering, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. We know we need to bring these things. And that's so now we're back to to number one. We know we we need to look around And see that we have something to give. And every single one of us has something to give. So we can do that. We can do that. And as we follow this great move of God, this Exodus move of God, back and back, three, two, one, zero, the only thing... That we cannot seem to reverse engineer is that willingness. Most of us, if we're honest, myself, at the top of the list, can sometimes have zero spontaneous expression of ease and lightheartedness. Sometimes I have no willingness. And I want to tell you that discovering your gifts will not bring the willingness. The willingness is what will make you look around for any gift you have to give. The willingness will, is what will drive you to discover what your spiritual gifts are. So we have our fixed positions, especially in the church, ladies, especially in the church. We have our fixed positions. We have our burden for social justice or over here. You have your burdens for prayer initiatives or we have our burdens for worship. We have our burden for missions, but burden is not the same as willingness. Burden is not the same as willingness. Our burdens can make us and others 
really tired. (laughs) Our burdens can make us weary. And then it's hard to imagine laboring together with ease and lightness and willingness. Matthew eleven sixteen, and this may seem a little random, but I want you to work with me here. We're, we're taking this concept and we're actually digging pretty deep with it right here. Remember I said we have our fixed positions, we have our burdens, uh, but a burden is not the same as a willingness. Matthew eleven sixteen. To what can I compare this generation? These are the words of Jesus. To what can I compare this generation? It is just like children sitting in the markets and calling to each other and saying, Well, we have piped to you and you have not danced. Over here. Well, we have mourned to you. You have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and everybody says he has got a devil. And the Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a man gluttonous, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Darned if you do. Darned if you don't, when we're looking at burdens and not willingness. But wisdom is justified of her children. And I'm going to skip on down to verse 28. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Mm. How many of you seek the Lord for a word for the year? I do that. Some people do, some people don't. But the Lord gave me a clear word for 2018, and He actually gave it to me with signs following. I asked for confirmation. When I was in the gathering, so many beautiful, beautiful things happen when I'm in the gathering of the saints, you guys. I just wouldn't miss it. So I I asked for confirmation, and the Lord gave it. It's the most challenging word I've ever been given, my word for 2018. The most challenging. Because I knew if I came under that and I and I came into line with that word, that it was not going to be without fierce contradiction. And that word that the Lord gave me, I'm telling you, I promise you, I give you my, my word, I give you my word. (laughs) I will give you my word. But get ready. (laughs) The word is play. I resisted that word at first, but after three very clear signs, I knew I was hearing the Lord. And it came with the sense that once I began living into it, there would be fierce contradiction and that I would have to play in the face of that contradiction in scripture the word play is used in a negative sense when the children of Israel went astray while Moses was up on that mountain and the Bible says they ate and they drank and then they rose up to play 
But then that same Hebrew word for play is used again or used before that when Abraham first heard that he would be a father of many nations. And the Bible says he fell on his face. And what our English Bible translates as Abram laughed is actually the same Hebrew word for play. And then I found Samson, who is a type of the church, I believe, in these last days. Samson in Scripture. A type of the church at a point in his life where he was blinded. And he had lost all of his strength. And he was the laughing stock of the Philistines. The Bible says they brought out Samson and Samson played before them. And he placed one hand on one pillar as he played. And he placed one hand on another pillar and he pushed with all his might and he took out more of his enemy in his play than he had taken out in his entire career. So you can imagine with me, play was actually a pretty heavy word to receive. So as I prayed and I sought the Lord, I always seek the Lord as three in one, this triune God, this mystery of of three expressions, one God, Father, Son, Spirit. I could easily see that the Father could be playful. My Papa could be playful. Good fathers play with their children. And I could even see how the Holy Spirit could play Because he made a few people seem pretty drunk one day. If you'll remember, they really seemed like they had been drinking. And then a whole lot of people were added to the church. (laughs) But then there was Jesus. The man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so I asked the Lord, did Jesus play? I mean, I know he smiled at the little kids. I know he did that. But did Jesus play? And then the Holy Spirit instantly spoke to me in that moment and said, to what shall I compare this generation? I had to look it up. I had to look that up. And then there I saw it. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And everybody said, he is a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So I saw that this Jesus was perceived as a man not only willing to suffer, a man not only willing to heal, but a man who was also willing to go to lots of parties. He was the first one to ever say these words. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is bearable. So I want to tell you something. I'm beginning 
to think that that laughing revival of the 90s, you guys remember that? Might have been a little more theologically sound than I ever first believed. And you don't have to worry. I'm not, I, I'm not saying I believe that like 150%. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There was something to that. There's a little something to that. But I am talking about something different that goes even deeper. Oh, what I see on the horizon. What I see coming. You're going to want to remain for this. You're going to want to stick around and see this. So God knows we can't reverse engineer the willingness, the playful creativity, but we can cry out to him for it. We can ask him for it. I'm not saying that that there is no sacrifice in serving the Lord. We all know there's sacrifice. I'm not saying we don't have to work hard. I'm saying I long to see willingness come upon the church again. I long to see willingness come on my own heart again. And I hope I can even get through this. I long to see eager, willing hearts in the house. So we can ask God for a mighty outpouring of the spirit of willingness. I think if we start right there, we will see Exodus 35 in our lifetimes, maybe even Really soon, where each of us bringing whatever it is from yarn to oil to nose rings to prophecy to healing to word of wisdom to word of knowledge to discerning of spirit to hospitality to counseling, whatever is our gift that we will bring it. And I think that to get to that place of willingness, we have got to begin preaching the gospel to our own hearts again. We've got to preach it so clearly that we lighten our own load. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And then we can lighten the load from off of our sister's shoulders so that she can find her willing heart again. It's there. It's there. It's just it's buried under some junk. But we can we can lift those burdens from off of one another. Again, Second Corinthians eight twelve, if there first be a willing mind, if there's first the willing mind, it is accepted according to what a woman has and not according to what she does not But this I say, she who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. She who sows bountifully, and again that word in the Greek denoting that spontaneous, light-hearted, creative, That's a posture, that's a position, an inward position that we're going to begin to ask God for. She who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Every woman, according as she's purposed in her heart, so let her give. So let her bring her gift. 
Not grudgingly. Not feeling forced to do it. Because God loves a hilarious giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That is the seed that is alive. It's alive. So if you will, if you'll just lift your hands right where you're sitting, because I want to speak this final scripture as a blessing I mean, you don't have to do like that airplane thing unless you want to. You can just do the whatever. How You do you. <laughs> but I want to speak this as a blessing over Franklin Covenant, over every spiritual house represented here. I want to speak this as a blessing over your physical houses. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you... Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You being enriched in every good thing to all bountifulness, which will cause through you, through me, through us, great thanksgiving to God. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Father. Yes, God. Give us willing hearts, Lord. Lord, give us willing hearts. This is where I want to ask uh, if we have a prayer team. Because guess what? I really can't do the whole mother of the house thing anymore. (laughs) I can't do it alone anymore. Neither can you. And so if there's a prayer team, what I want to do is I would love for the prayer team to help me. Cheryl, if you will come too, if you will help pray. I want to pray for you. If you want with all of your heart. And please hear me. There is no condemnation if you need to leave. There is no condemnation if you just aren't feeling it. Truly, no condemnation. Please come up if with all of your heart, because we can't do half-hearted anymore. Can't, do you all have time for, for that, for half-hearted? I don't have time for that anymore. You don't either. But if, if with all your heart you want to be made awake, remember Deborah, awake, awake, Deborah, wake up and sing a song. If you want to be made awake or if you want to be made willing. Can I just put myself down there with you? If you want to be made awake or made willing, please come because we want to pray for you. And, you know, Kathy, again, if there are if there's one or two or however many that you can have come up here to help me pray, just come on up because we want to pray for you to be. And we're going to include ourselves. Amen. To be made awake, to be made willing. Do you need do you want to? Say anything at this point? 